today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Plummeting rates uh, have turned what officials thought was going to be the last mile of the uh, vaccination program and immunization program into a bit of a marathon. Remember, President Biden had uh, hoped to get uh, about 70% of all adults uh, with both vaccines, both shots of the vaccine, by the 4th of July. Well, it looked pretty good there for a while. Uh, not so good right now. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Dr. Rodney Rohde. Dr. Rohde, of course, is a professor and chair of the Clinical Laboratory Science Program at the College of Health Professionals at Texas State University. Uh, doctor, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us again today. Good morning, Bill. Thanks again for having me on. Uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago, you and I had a discussion. It was based on an op-ed piece that you had written about vaccination rates and herd immunity. And, and the concern that you expressed at that time, uh, Doctor, of course, was that uh, you were very concerned about whether or not you were going to reach that percentage enough to, to actually create the herd immunity that is so necessary in fighting a virus like this. Uh, <laughs> I, I hate to say you were right, but you're right. I mean, looking at the numbers right now, this this has tailed off considerably. I'm sure you're concerned about it. Yeah, I really am, Bill. Let's let's do a quick recalibration for your audience, just real yeah. quick. So, if you look around around the world right now, uh, we're still we're hitting right now today. Uh, the data showing about 174 million cases, about 3.75 million deaths. That's around the world. If you look at the United States, we're a little over 34 million cases. Now we're over 600,000 deaths, and I pulled up Canada. Uh, uh, up in Canada, you guys are uh, one, almost 1.4 million cases and about almost 26,000 deaths. So one thing I just want to mention as we get going here on the vaccination rates is that while things are looking better uh, in the U.S. and other places around the world with respect to cases dropping, hospitalizations going down, and the mortality rate dropping some, we're, we're definitely not out of the danger. And that kind of lets us transition a little bit to the vaccination mm-hmm. rates that you mentioned that I'm concerned about. And I and I am concerned. I don't think we're going to reach President Biden's goal of 70 percent by July 4th. I mean, I hope uh, that it possibly can be. But if you look at the data right now, we were a little over 50 percent in the U.S. with people having one shot and, and mid 40 percent, depending on the data you look at for both shots. And you're right. Um, we've we've definitely slowed down. We you know hit the ground running back in in February, March, April, and and our elderly uh, stepped up really quickly, which is great. So if you look at the most at risk, we've done a good job of getting you know 65 and older vaccinated. Real high percentages there. Uh, as you kind of start coming down into the the middle aged and even down now into the uh, the younger people that are able to be vaccinated, those rates aren't quite as as high or moving quickly as we'd like. So, you know, we're trying, uh, like most places around the world that have the vaccine and are able to do so, we're trying to incentivize that in some ways. You can talk about that all day with respect to ethics. You know, that's kind of a different conversation. But it is is challenging to me as a public health scientist and medical laboratorian to know that we actually have vaccines sitting here and we're having a hard time now getting people to uh, get the jab in their arms. So hopefully that will improve with education and and people like me and others that continue to you know almost beg people to consider getting a vaccine at this point. And as you know, um, we are. And I, I think it I think it's admirable. I wished it would have come a little earlier, but the U.S. is starting to donate you know vaccine to Covax. Yes. Uh, I know Canada is a, a little bit part of that, but it seems like most of what President Biden's doing is getting it to the Latin American countries in Africa seem to be what I've been reading about now. Hopefully, you know, that'll get redistributed 
appropriately for people who need it. But yeah, so that's where we stand. And I still think we can get to 70%. Um, but what I'm, what I've been talking about in the last week or two is that it's really going to take the, the people that actually took the vaccine like myself and others who are firm advocates of that, they now need to get their children vaccinated, right? So they can maybe wield some, some uh, coercion and uh, convincing of their own children to get that, that are able to get it. Uh, because, you know, within a family, you might be able to make that happen. And that should help us get up to that 60, 70 percentile. We really need to get into that 70 percentile when you look at the research across you know, decades and decades of, of how this works. I'm glad you gave us that perspective on that, Doctor. And let's go back a little bit, I guess, to February. And I, I remember uh, President Biden at that time saying, well, you remember what he was hoping for was 100 million vaccinations within the first 100 right. days of his administration. And and lo and behold, he got he got, almost got 200 right. million in the first 100 days. And was did that give everybody a false sense of security that, hey, this is going to be easy? Uh, or Because the other side of that, as, as I see it anyway, and I wanted to get your, your read on this as well, is maybe you've reached everybody that was re- ready, willing, and able to get the vaccination. Now you've got to start right. convincing people to get it. Right. I, I, I actually don't think it was complacency. I think you hit hit right on the nail on the head, like like I was going to say, is that what I think happened is we did have, you know, not only the elderly, but others who were ready, willing, and able to do this. And then what I think you're seeing right now is we hit about 50% of the population. You're seeing um, kind of what's been shown the last, you know, unfortunately, the last two decades is this growing vaccine hesitancy and we just have to continue to convince and educate people that this vaccine really the three that we're using moderna pfizer and uh, johnson and johnson they have all been safely approved most of the work was done years and years before this pandemic on the mrna technology and we've got to find a way to educate people that this didn't just happen overnight. We're not just throwing some experimental vaccine out there that's dangerous. Uh, we've done the trials. We've done the work. We've just been able to pull out that red tape and make it move quicker uh, through the system to get it approved. And the only difference now, Bill, is that as we've talked about on your show, is that we're kind of learning in real time now. And that's the flip of this is that we wanted to get it out there and start using it, and we've done that, and it's definitely saving lives, but we just don't know because we don't know how long that that vaccine protection is going to last. We kind of know now that we're at the six to maybe eight-month mark with Pfizer and Moderna, and we're really just going to have to study that in real time, and at some time, I'm sure we're going to hear from the, the government and the vaccine makers and the scientists that, okay, we're starting to see a, a waning of the antibody you know, at... 10 months, 12 months, 14 months. We just really don't know. And when that happens, you know, then we'll be making that plan for our boosters and our other mechanisms to kind of up up that uh, coverage again. So I think that's part of what people might be confusing is that it's, it's you know, either experimental or it's a concern when in reality these vaccines have actually been studied for almost a decade. Uh, we just kind of pulled the red tape away and pushed them forward so that we could get them into arms. 
but we should be used to that methodology, though, shouldn't we? I mean, even we people that, that may have that. I mean, you know, as a kid, I can remember having to go to the doctor usually about once a year. I guess it was maybe a little more for, for what they called a booster, which is essentially what you're right. describing here, isn't it? In other words, the stuff right. that I got for rubella and everything else is starting to wear off. You need to kind of get another shot to, to juice it up again. Uh, and we just rarely did that. Well, it, it looks like the same process is going to be happening here, doesn't it? Yeah, it really is. I think over time you're going to see, again, at some point, uh, whether it's one year is the mark or 18 months, you know, hopefully it'll be a little longer than the flu shot, which is about a year. Uh, but, but you know, a year is kind of a good marker based on, on the history of things. But with these mRNA vaccines, again, we haven't used them before with respect to understanding how long they last. So, you know, I'm hopeful that they might go a little longer, uh, but a year would be a nice uh point to kind of, you know, chop that together. Even down the road, we might even see a combination flu, a coronavirus kind of hybrid vaccine going where people don't have to go in two or three times a year. But that all remains to be seen. But but it's definitely, as you're kind of talking with me, you know, I'm 54 years old. And I just, I, I, I again, I think we're a product of our own success. Many people in the world are now not a hundred years old. They don't know what it was like when people died of polio and measles and rubella and diphtheria and even from scraped knees from bacterial infections. They just uh -huh. don't understand how amazing we've and how far we've come. And it's it's really sad and frustrating. And somehow we've got to get a better handle on educating people. But it's a challenge. As you know, we are up against a lot of naysayers and a lot of uh false information that's coming out as well as just kind of slanted information. So I just keep, you know, keep knocking my head against the wall and hoping that we can get those individuals that at least are saying things like, you know, I just want to kind of see how it works after the first six months. At least they're considering it. And that's where I think we have to put our force and strength at and maybe come back later to those who are just absolutely saying, I'm not going to do it because we just may be spinning our wheels with some individuals. So it's really unfortunate, but we may have to you know, triage as we always do in medicine and, and get those people that are willing to be convinced and get them vaccinated. Are you comfortable, though, Doctor, that the, the government is reaching everybody that they need to reach to get that message out there? Because uh, I know that com communication is obviously going to be a key and has been a key to the success of it. Uh, but for, you know, this to continue in a successful vein, uh, th they're going to have to, I guess, double their efforts, maybe with certain ethnic communities, places like that. If I look right. at some of the states here, uh, the Latino community, the black community, people like that, uh, there's, as you mentioned, there's some hesitancy there as well. I, mean, I don't know if it's vaccine hesitancy. Or maybe it's they just don't trust government sometimes. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of yeah. people that seem to have that mindset these days. Yeah, I think it's a combination of all those things. And again, I mean, you know as well as I do, most people know that history is there yeah. uh, with respect to mistrust of the government due to early, early science issues of, of populations of color and even, even other people that just got taken advantage of and things like that. So that's an unfortunate part of our history, and it's also the part of history around certain parts of the world. And we've got we've got to do a better job. I know President Biden and others, including my colleagues and I, are always talking about how we need to reach into, um, you know, the data shows that if you find people that will talk about this, that look like you and and you trust, like even things like barbers, pharmacists, your pastor or your minister, um, teachers, people in your community that can talk to you about the vaccine in a way that's um, 
you know, open and honest and, and about the education and the science that you might reach those individuals. <clears throat> the data definitely shows that just pounding out messages through social media about this study and that study. I mean, I've learned that the hard way over the last five years. You know, nobody reads those but people like me. <laughs> they don't really care about the hard, the hard science. And I get that. You know, it's it's sometimes thick and difficult to read through that. But you've got to get storytelling. You've got to get media messages. And you've got to get into the communities. I mean, TV and social media can do so much. And then you have to get boots on the ground and, and get people to talk to families and to church congregations and to civic groups and you know, anything and everything, because every time you get another hundred people, you know, it, it, it moves that decimal point a little bit. And so, you know, I've even considered, I was telling my wife, just walking around the neighborhood and, and chatting with people. I, I do this, I got my haircut this week and I actually talked to my haircut person who had had COVID and she was a little hesitant to get the vaccine. And so we had a conversation and I told her to call me, I gave her my card. And I mean, one person may not seem like a lot, but every person can help can help in this situation and hopefully we can all get this moving forward haircut i think i remember what those are uh it's been a while for us too <laughs> well we're actually starting to loosen up a little bit here in ontario so maybe in the next couple of weeks or so but what about i got a couple of minutes left here doctor are you concerned sure. about the variant especially the delta variable variant that, that we're talking about if you don't achieve that 70 percent that herd immunity uh and so many people are still exposed i mean it does my heart good when i'm watching uh you know the hockey playoffs from boston and and, and denver and right. places like that to see these arenas filled with people that are just ecstatic to finally be watching their favorite sport or the you know the the, the golf tournaments and you know it, it's fabulous but i'm always there's a little voice in the back of my head every time i'm watching those that said i wonder how many of those people are fully vaccinated oh what because you know, john yeah. rom the, on the pga tour of course who had to drop out of the tournament this week uh, because he tested positive are you concerned that in the absence of that herd immunity that 70 percent that that you're giving the delta variant a leg up Absolutely. I mean, you basically just explained exactly what every virologist and public health uh, professional is concerned about, and that is, did we open up too soon? And I, I think, the again, the answer is nuanced. If we can get, and that's a big if, if we can get, you know, 70 plus percentage of the people vaccinated, then you give that variant much less of a naive population to start converting uh, in other words, for it to become the dominant strain that's circulating. And that's the big concern. And when you have those events, I mean, I'm sitting there just like you. I still haven't went to these things. I've, I've barely started uh, eating outdoors away from different people and things like that. I still wear my mask in the States when I'm in crowds. Um, not so much at home anymore because we're all vaccinated and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, I worry about the individuals who are anti-vaccine or hesitant to get it but they're also very willing to go do those things. And so that's, again, the education that I know we all keep preaching is to keep that mask on and to be careful. But you and I both know that that's a difficult thing to do when the peer pressure's there. I mean, I have individuals tell me this, you know, they feel awkward keeping the mask on when they're going someplace when all their friends are not putting it on to church, you know, or whatever the, the situation is. I went to church this weekend, Bill, I've only been going about once a month for the past two or three months because of these concerns. My wife and I always sit in the very back because no one's behind us, mm -hmm. and we wear our mask. And, and everybody had to up to about two weeks ago. And we went this past Sunday, and I would say 97, 98% of the people did not have a mask on. It was a bit 
uncomfortable to say the least. We did our usual. We sat in the back away from everybody. And, you know, and we got those occasional stares and I've told my wife, you know, and she, she knows this cause she knows this about me. I just don't care <laughs> what people think, <laughs> but, but that's hard, right? It's hard for an individual yeah. to say that without the background. And, and my background is I don't really care because I'm a virologist and I know how deadly viruses are. So I put on the mask, but, but that's not the general population. So, you know, I was, Another point I was going to make real quick was that in Canada, I've actually been working with um, the Canadian organization that's similar to ours for uh, medical laboratory professionals that do all the testing. Listen to this crazy number. In the United States as today, we've almost hit 500 million tests. Uh, Canada's you know, pushing a large number as well, about 35 million tests. And one of the things that I continually to worry about, and maybe we can talk about this on a future show, sure. is uh, the burnout of these professionals of, of conducting these tests. And testing mm-hmm. still matters. It really does because we need to know what's circulating and if it's changing, just like it can mess up the vaccine bill, if the variants change uh, or if a new variant shows up and those diagnostic tests don't do a good job of detecting it, then you have some false um assurances that maybe things aren't as bad as they are. So we need to keep testing uh, at least a percentage of things that are going on. And we need to be aware of, of that burnout of those professionals that are doing that because it is wearing my alumni out uh, wow. to the point where some of them are considering changing careers. I mean, it's just been unbelievable for 12 or 15 months now. Well, I want to pick up on that when we do have an opportunity to talk again, Doctor. Uh, yeah, we are pretty tight sure. for time here today, but thank you so much for this. No I'm glad things are going well for you and your family anyway. And uh, here's hoping that, uh, that many more uh, Americans uh, pick up on the message now and roll up their sleeves because yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's all for the well common good. Canadians, you know. Yeah, we, we're, we're working on it. Take care again, Doctor. Appreciate it. Dr. Rodney Rohde, of course, yeah. from uh, Texas State University uh, with some sage advice there for each and every one of us about getting that second shot. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.